welcome to the Save with Sex podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan L., pleasure scholar and creative mother of the Muses Lab. Together, we journey through sex, pleasure, and the erotic as it relates to our relationships, spirit, self, and our overall human experience. I'm elated to be your guide on this adventure. So grab your tools of pleasure, ground, and let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Say It With Sex podcast. (laughs) At the day of the recording, at the day of this recording, it is January 7th. And on this, not even on the seventh day, this was like day three (laughs) of 2023 of the Gregorian calendar year. I learned my first lesson. And today we're going to be talking about desire. And I was so excited because I saw this uh, post on Instagram from Jaleesa Cypress and I was prompted, the, the post said, I have all that I want and I still want more, or I have everything and I want and I still want more. And they were talking about desire and like ev- the lights just flickered, everything started to click for me. And I was like, oh, let me share this with the community. And as I started to share with the community, it's so interesting. like. Within the Muses Lab community, there are a lot of my friends who rock with me, who ride with me, and there are others who I've befriended doing this work in the community who I know. There's still a vast majority of people that I do not know. And it's so interesting how I could sense the resistance. And I have to remember that I have Scorpio placements, tropical and sidereal. (laughs) And while it is natural for me to start peeling back layers, unpacking things, and it wasn't always this natural for me. I learned it through therapy. Um, And touching and agreeing with myself as a spiritual being first and then therapy. But essentially it became natural for me to unpack and unlearn and and get to the root of certain things because I want to do better, be better, and show up better in this human experience as a human being. So this is natural for me to just start getting to the root of things. I have to remember that everyone is not where I'm at. Everybody not on my time. (laughs) And... I can't expect everyone to be fired up and ready to go. And I've, I've, this is the second time that I'm revisiting this lesson. And it's a good lesson for me to revisit because I have to realize that I can't always take everybody with me, one. And two, every prompt for me is not a prompt from the for the collective. And while some people resonated with it and they were able to take some of the things that I shared and started to do their own work, that was a small percentage of people the the greater majority of the group was like bitch i ain't trying to do this shit right now (laughs) and i get it so i had to take a step back um and um just share i'm just sharing what i'm learning this is not a group exercise it's not a prompt for everybody to do the same type of self-work that i am doing but I started to connect the dots with how we magnetize and actualize and manifest things and how it relates to our desires. So I am excited to share what I'm learning and 
if you find yourself resonating with the things that I'm speaking about, bookmark this for later. Unpack this at your own time. Do not feel like you have to now. Oh, because I listen to this podcast now, I gotta go. You don't. You can bookmark it. Save it for later. DM me. Ask me a couple questions. <laughs> but do not feel like you have to now go on this journey because now you've heard this. This is not one of those um, moments. This is me sharing some things that I'm learning because it's still at the the top of the Gregorian calendar year and we're still most people are still figuring out how they want 2023 to look working on their vision boards other type of rituals and planning tools to get ready to accelerate once the time for them comes and this could just be something you can add to that work that you're doing on your own time so enough of me babbling Let's get to it. So desire. (laughs) I went through, well, what I wanted to do was, this is before I had to stop myself from going on this journey of trying to create a little mini curriculum on, on how we can, as a community, understand and unpack our relationship with desire what I started to do was do some google searching and see what our elders say about desire and when I say elders I specifically speak of mother Octavia mother Zora mother Tony mother Audrey mother Belle mother Alice uh That's who I speak of when I am talking about the elders because those are the elders. As a writer, those are the elders that I look to um, for guidance and information on how to start with foundation and expand upon um, things that I am learning and uncovering and sharing with the community as a, a sage and an oracle in my own right. And as I researched, I found a couple of quotes from uh, Mother Tony. And when I say Tony, I mean Tony Morrison. And a quote from Bell Hooks. And all of them were centered around um, objectification. And that bothered me because it didn't dive into desire outside of sex. And that lets me know that that foundation was given to us in one angle. And as a ascendant or descendant, as a descendant (laughs) moving forward as a successor, in this journey of unpacking the nuances of in relationships between genders and blackness and how we experience life and our in our human existence um that let me know that it was a prompt for me to say yeah desire has this sexual carnal tone and that's how our elders have looked at desire that's how desire is described in the bible as this lusty uh gluttonous gratuitous thing right but 
what about just the things that we want in life? Like desire is a longing for something that has this gravitational pull towards us. It's a feeling that we experience. And often desire when we read books from our elders and how other people speak about desire, it is always centered around sex. And that is an issue for me because when it prompt what prompted in me when I read that post that I have everything that I have and I still want more, I immediately shifted towards this digital vision board that I'm creating for 2023 and things that I am desiring. And a lot of them are tangible things, right? But also what I desire to experience, again, outside of sex. So if our elders are speaking about desire in a way in which, and I'm thinking about the quotes from uh, Beloved and The Bluest Eye, in which Toni Morrison speaks about desire, those are speaking in things of covet, right? Desire and covet are synonyms, but they are used in a different connotation. The, the sentiment is different, right? So desire in which Toni Morrison speaks about is from a space of coveting, longing to have attention, space, Seen, seenness, visibility, love. There's a covet in being a Black woman, being the object of someone's desire that someone is trying to dominate you or desiring to have the same uh, visibility as someone of a different race that seems to be placed on a pedestal as opposed to who you are, right? That's how desire from that perspective is, is shaped. But I'm thinking about desire from an experiential space, how we can experience life, how we desire to experience life, how we desire to live life. What we're gravitating to is in regards to our work. I think I'm going to pause there. I think I need to check myself around work because I'm finding that a lot of the things that I'm trying to call into myself, ease and opulence and other um, nuances of softness and creativity is centered around work. And it's making me realize that I have yet to decolonize myself from capitalism, that there's still a space in me that feels like I have to work. Not that I don't want to work because I like work. 
I like to do things and create things and make things. I like to make money. But it's also making me realize that I'm not thinking about other ways to financially sustain myself that have nothing to do with me working several hours a day. I still haven't looked at my life. There's a fear there, I know. But I still haven't looked at my life in a way in which I can be financially stable without having to work. Work looks different for everybody. And when I'm speaking in terms of work, I'm talking about being on a laptop hours upon hours a day, having to commute somewhere, having to exercise my brain in ways that's creating things. Again, I don't mind doing those things. Like I'm okay doing that. But I never thought, and I'm gonna bring this back to desire. I never thought what my life would be like or to desire a life that was sustainable, that had the opulence and the ease and the softness and the stability that I long for because desire is also a longing that I long for without work. I can say that I have been afraid to desire a life that is absent of work that still gives me what I want, my desire. The income that I want, the type of living conditions and environment that I want to be in, access to the water, to the beach, being able to travel because those things cost money, right? Because those things cost money, that means at least how we've been taught that in order to get that type of money, you have to work for it. And if you don't work for it, either you're a sugar baby, (laughs) you married into a rich family, you have a trust fund, all those things that people look down upon and turn their noses up to because there's privilege attached to that. Or it means you had to do something that compromises what people call integrity as a human being in order to receive or achieve those wares, if you will. I just wonder if we just desired a sustainable, lavish life. If we just desired that without having to do this maximum amount of labor, if we just desired that life, that lavish life, whatever lavish looks like for us, because it's going to look different, we know what lavish, we know what with society and the media has showed us that lavish looks like, but lavish for a lot of people may look different, may not look like, you know, the Kardashians or the Shaw family and 
all these other blinged out. It may not look like that. Where some people lavish may look like something else. So whatever lavish looks like for us, what would it mean for us to desire a lavish, opulent, fulfilling, joyous, zealous, zeal, zesty, juicy, fruitful, lushy, abundant life without hard labor, without having to do so much. Cause I just I'm I'm as I'm I'm speaking, as I'm talking through this in real time, I'm thinking about my ancestors. I'm thinking about my grandmother, grandmothers. Mm, coming off this full moon in cancer. I'm thinking about my grandmothers, blood and blended. Cause I got blood grandmothers and then I got grandmothers from blended families right from being a part of a blended family so blood and blended I'm thinking about my grandmothers the lineage of the mothers in my life and how they worked they worked hands I got family of sharecroppers sharecroppers are are part of my lineage women who owned beauty salons entrepreneurs in that time, un almost unheard of. People who tended to land, who picked cotton. I have aunts who are still living today who can talk about when they were on the farm. That's what they call the plantation, when they were on the farm and picked cotton by hand, by the bushel. They had to pick cotton and sell it by the bush bushel so they can make money. I still have living ancestors who have those stories, mothers, my aunts, my great-grandmothers, my great-great-grandmothers, they worked. So I'm thinking about them and thinking about what I desire. I don't know what they desired, but I reckon it was a life of ease living in a nice big house, being able to have money in your bank account and you can go to the grocery store and you can go shopping, you can buy whatever you want and not worry about the money running out. And if you needed to work, it wasn't hard labor. With It was things they enjoyed doing. They could cook meals for our big family and feel comfortable spending and ordering things and making mounds and mounds of food because they felt abundant and they wanted to share that abundance with other people. I reckon that's the life that they would have wanted to live without having to have children to ensure that they live that life. They would have just lived it on their own. It wouldn't have to work so hard. So I wonder, as I'm understanding my relationship with desire, that while they may be afraid for me 
to ask for those things because they're they're God-fearing women, Christian God-fearing women, and Christian God-fearing women always remind you to be grateful for what you have and don't ask for nothing more than what you need. Because somewhere down the line, they were told that when you try to get more than what you need, you're being greedy. And when you're greedy, that comes back to bite you on the ass. So I wonder, those beliefs somehow encoded in my DNA and even taught to me are prompting me to take a look at desire and to reframe that for myself. So when I'm doing things like a vision board, I'm not afraid to, to say out loud what I want, to ask for what I want, and to expect that I get it. And it has nothing to do with me being ungrateful for what I have. I'm grateful for what I have. I just know that this world in me in this lifetime has more to explore, discover, and uncover. That the mothers of my lineage work hard, worked hard enough for me to be in a place to have the confidence to ask for what I want and expect it because the dues were paid. I've even paid my own dues. I've been without. I've struggled. I've been rock bottom. I've climbed my way to the top. And I have the things I need, but there are things that I want. And why should I suppress, hold myself back, minimize myself, create a false sense of humility around the things that I desire? And I may not necessarily get exactly what I want. Maybe it shows up differently. But I shouldn't be afraid. I shouldn't suppress myself. I shouldn't hold myself back from what I desire. Not covet. Because when you covet something, Coveting is wanting what someone else has. But your desires, the things that are so deep and embedded into your soul, that just has this gravitational pull, you know you want it. You can see yourself with it. You can feel it. You want to experience it. You want to have some love for it. Because you know it'll make you beyond happy you know it'll make you joyous why can't I do that why can't I have that why is it wrong for me to desire anything who told me that I was not allowed to desire and where did they get that from 
And who told them that? Was it someone who didn't get what they desired and created this narrative that said that I couldn't have it? And it was just passed down from generation to generation to generation. That sounds like a hater. That sounds like someone who didn't want the first person they told it to in my lineage that they could be happy. And because they didn't want them to be happy, they just played on their vulnerabilities and that just kind of got passed down all the way to me. And maybe that prompt was a signal for me to end that quote unquote generational curse. Maybe it was a prompt for me to reconcile that and end that. Maybe it was supposed to end with me. I'm still unpacking and learning my language around desire. I'm understanding, again, the difference between desire and covet, interchanging wants and needs and desires. They seem to flow with one another. They're not mutually exclusive desires, needs, and wants. Your needs can also be your desires, and so are things that you want. Desire doesn't have to be centered around sex. I tend to see desire lately. I tend to see desire in colors. It's light and airy. A little bit of paint, a little bit of blues. It feels unctuous. I want to lean into desire. I want to sink into it. I want it to align with my body. I want to rest in desire. Build a relationship with it. Have a conversation with it. Get on the same page as desire so that me and desire can speak the same language. Because I feel like if I reestablish my relationship with desire, that I'll have an easier time actualizing and magnetizing the things that I want to me because I have reconciled my relationship with it. When we say things like, I get what I want, that's desire. It's a confidence in your desire. And for those of us who cringe when people say that, maybe that's a prompt for us to figure out why. Why do we feel it's cringy for people to say that I get what I want? Why does that sound rebellious? For people to say that they get what they want. Why is that a privilege? Because you could get what you want. Or have you just told yourself that you can't. And created reasons and excuses as to why you can't. I know I did. I can speak for myself and I can say that I did.
I created excuses and narratives that didn't exist, things that I was afraid to go out for and, and try that I desired, that I wanted. Fear of who knows what. I allowed that to step in front of me and desire and draw me further away from it. But desire never wanted to be disconnected from me. It always wanted to befriend me. I created boundaries between me and desire. So with that prompt, it made me circle back. Maybe desire had been waiting for me this whole time to wake up and rekindle the flame between myself and it. Again, desire is an emotion was something that I turned down, maybe even turned off because I thought me and Desire's relationship, our friendship, our intimacy, our vulnerability was unattainable. But again, who told me that? I told myself that, but where did I even get that from? What did I assume? What self-sabotaging or self-fulfilling prophecy that I create around desire, a conversation or a communication that desire never shared with me. I never even gave myself an opportunity to commune with desire, to have a seat with desire. Really understand how it wanted to connect with me. I think we should do that with all our emotions. What does our anger say? What does our happiness say? What does our joy say? What do our arousals say? What does the sensual say? And when I mean sensual, I'm not necessarily talking about your loins, because that's arousal. Talking about things that tickle your senses, things that activate your senses. What do those things say? When you hear the word desire, where does it trigger? Where does it show up in your body, desire? When I hear desire, it shows up in my chest. It's my heart. Which means, for me, things like love are what I truly desire. But I also know that in many ways that I'm afraid of love. That's another thing that I need to unpack. Because how could I want to be loved if I'm afraid of it? How can you want to desire things if you're afraid to even feel what the desire is in your body? As I'm thinking out loud, maybe for those of us who practice the art, if you will, of manifestation, maybe... The disconnect from our desire is not allowing us to feel it in our body. And if we knew where desire sat within our body, maybe that's the area from which we should be manifesting. If you feel desire in your head somewhere around your third eye, maybe you need to be a visual manifester. If you feel desire between your thighs, 
and it turned you on, maybe sex magic is the way that you're supposed to manifest. If you feel desire somewhere in your arms and in your hands, maybe you need to write down your desires. Maybe you need to create something. Maybe you need to paint something. Maybe desire sits in your hands. Desire sitting in my chest, meaning that I need to show myself some love. Tap further into my emotions, feel desire. Allow desire to come in and connect with me. I feel like that's a prompt for somebody, not just me. So that's where I'm at currently. Maybe I'll do a part two sometime later. <laughs> but some things I've been thinking about when it comes to desire and how I can establish a better relationship with it so that as I am actualizing and magnetizing the vision of how I see my life and all the different touch points that affect my life, I can incorporate my desires, see it as part of the roadmap and include it on the journey. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. The Say It With Sex podcast is an audio experience of the Muses Lab and can be found on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to share this episode and subscribe. For early access and exclusive drops, become a member of the Muses Garden found at www.patreon.com slash themuseslab. Your contribution helps support more exclusive and curated content, as well as the practitioners who help make the Muses Lab ecosystem possible.